This is the Revival Leadership Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. Um, Adam and Greg here, and today we are joined uh, by Dr. Alice Brown Collins, who is the Assistant National Director for Intercessory Prayer for InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. One of the longest titles. In, <laughs> that's in, an awesome title. That's an awesome title. <laughs> uh, and yeah, Greg, you want to give her a little yeah. more intro? Yeah, well, I, I, I haven't known um, Dr. Alice Brown, Reverend Dr. Alice Brown Collins, uh, primarily uh, through, from her role in university, but mostly from just Memorial Day picnics at my in-law's house when uh, <laughs> Alice and Boris would bring some some barbecue and some collard greens. So that was that was mostly my my uh, my my relationship. And so yeah, it's been been. I mean, obviously, you guys were at our wedding and. Um, We've known you guys for a long time, but mostly as dear friends of, of my in-laws. So, but it's great to be here with mm-hmm. you, Dr. ABC, and in in Framingham on location in the parlor in the parlor of the Methodist Church here. And um, thank you. Yeah, and so this is where you and um, Reverend Boris are pastors. Yes, they have a. Um, this is at Wesley United Methodist Church, and the gift that. God has given them is they allow several churches to use space here and so we have been allowed to use um, their space the space at this church yeah Yeah, that's awesome so um, and among other things Dr. ABC has a um, you have a doctorate in psychology is that right? A PhD in social psychology social psychology Mm -hmm. and you've been um with InterVarsity for... 25 years. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> 25 years. That's awesome. Wow. So anyway, it's just a joy to be here with you. And uh, we're, you. we're so excited to um, just learn and connect with you and hear from your heart about revival. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so... We'll have to get some uh, bonus content on barbecue. Well, yeah, Boris isn't here, but uh, yes. he's, he, <laughs> Boris has a lot of thoughts about barbecue. Uh, a lot of thoughts about food. Mm. <laughs> that's 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 for another okay. another podcast. Yeah, yes. we gotta stay focused. We're gonna stay. <laughs> that's what I started to say. The barbecue leadership podcast yeah. is coming up next <laughs> month. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, um, it's great to meet you. This is the first time we've met. Yes. So, uh, we're excited to have you. Thank you. And uh, the first question that we have that we kind of ask all our guests is pretty open-ended, but how did revival or the concept of revival uh, become important to you personally? How did it, um, how did you first learn about it? How did it first kind of take hold in your heart and your mind? Something along those lines. Well, for me, it started when I was a graduate student, which um, as I've been thinking about this question, even I'm surprised because most graduate students are very self-centered mm-hmm. and most of their, whatever they think about is based upon the discipline and writing their dissertation and et cetera. But what happened when I was in graduate school in the 70s, um, I, I went to graduate school in 76. Uh, what happened was that I became very desperate. Mm. 
um, there were only a few African Americans mm -hmm. who were actually at the University of Colorado Boulder, and the, the University of Colorado <laughs> Boulder. Uh, not only issues around racism and sexism, but we talking about Boulder, so there's all kind of class stuff. Uh -huh. That um, this this little black girl that came from a place called Wichita, Kansas, had no understanding of what she was stepping into. Mm. And so while I was there, I became very desperate, mm. you know, desperate in terms of learning how to pray. It was actually in graduate school that I began to establish Sabbath. Mm. I began mm -hmm. to take Sabbath. I began to say to folk on Sundays until about six o'clock, guess what? I will not do any kind of work except, you know, go to church, be with people and take mm -hmm. Sabbath. And so it really be began with the sense that I would not survive as a Christian in this very hostile antichrist place. Mm -hmm. That's what happened. Yeah. And I made up in my mind that I was going to be bold and that I was going to tell people about Jesus and um you know and 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 it, it it was so revival happens first in me mm -hmm. I make the decision that there are things that I have to do I've got to learn how to pray I've I learned how to the word we now use is lament I would really be crying um I would um the pastor that we eventually ended up with you know, was very good at just simply, I, I began to have vision and dreams. Mm -hmm. There were all kinds of things that began to happen in me wow. yeah. first. Mm. Wow. All right. Yeah. And so that's sort of what happened. And eventually my I got married in 78 and my husband and I went to a church in Denver called Wayside. And revival was happening in this small church. And mm. I, I've often wondered and and have often said to people, it looks like numbers don't matter to God. Mm -hmm. And so in the small church, there was powerful praise and worship. Mm -hmm. There was powerful discernment. Again, this emphasis on repentance. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, this was a church where repentance was taken very seriously. Mm -hmm. Okay. And not only that, but there was a sense that when you came in, you know, you were family. And mm. so there was also community. Yeah. And so during that period of time, we saw God move very powerfully. There would just be times the Spirit of the Lord would fall in that church. And we had a sister. Oh, the other piece you see is the manifestation of spiritual gifts mm. in very unusual ways across the board. Wow. And she would just begin to run around the church. And my husband and the men would just remove the the communion table and folk would start running to the altar and receive Jesus. Wow. Amazing. Uh, there was powerful preached word. Yeah. You know, the scripture says you should know the truth and the truth's going to set you free. Mm -hmm. Well, of course, um, Elder Sims would just preach the truth mm -hmm. and folk would receive the truth. And then of course we would just see a strong movement of God. Mm. Um, I can remember hours of just praise where you would just stand and you would worship and he would encourage you even with small children to just stand. And eventually there would actually be a supernatural experience. And I've often said to folk, uh, Elder Sands would tell us, now you either going to pray and praise, you just going to leave. Now that's it. <laughs> and so we would begin to pray so that, you would feel the atmosphere change yeah. and you would know that you were no longer 
in a natural atmosphere, but a place where the Spirit of God totally and completely filled that wow, place. Man. Wow. Um, and so we, we saw miracles happen, yeah. you know. Yeah. That was another thing you see with revival. You see miracles happen. Now, of course, this church is an interesting church. While small, on the other hand, at one point it was a multi-ethnic church. Mm-hmm. And what happened is the police shut shut the church down because it was multi-ethnic and they they locked up the church. And what the people of God did at Wayside was they prayed until they came back and unlocked the church and gave us permission, of course, to be back in the church. Now, the, the issue that we see here mm. is that when the enemy... Mm begins to come against revival, the issue is to shut it down totally. Yeah. yeah. That's the issue. Yeah. Um, but it was while I was a graduate student. So, you know, there would be just amazing things that happen. Um, the, the issue of hospitality is extremely important in terms of revival. Yeah. So, for instance, my husband and I were driving an hour. It was so important to be there. We'd be running to get there. Mm. Yeah. And we had a little, we had a, little baby you know i had my son while we were there jamal jamal yeah Yeah, i had jamal while i was there and it would just be interesting i i can remember coming in one day and of course the issue of prophecy goes forth you know Mm. both foretelling and he just would come to us and the pastor would look and says the lord says it's over Mm. says you're gonna have a car and i can remember that we will believe by faith. You you see supernatural faith with revivals. And we got up and we went and we looked and the Lord gave us a car. Nobody else would have took it. It was an orange Vega. But but <laughs> but, but listen, hey, it, it was in the brand. right listen, listen, it was in the right price. It's right. You know, we believe yeah. what the pastor said. And and it was just so it was this amazing two years before I actually came to New England. Yeah where we just saw all kinds of things happen. Yeah. The mighty move of God, uh, that when the prophetic voice would go forth, it would always happen. Yeah. All right, people getting saved, yeah. people being loved, um, and the love of God was poured out on us so that the pastor obviously saw what we were gonna be walking into when we got here, and he actually encouraged the church. And he said to the church, you see this young couple? Yeah. As long as they are here, we are going to feed them every Sunday and we are going to let them rest because mm. they're driving all the way in. And every Sunday we went to someone's home, every everybody's home. So we went to the rich per- person's home mm-hmm. and we went to the person who lived in the projects. Mm-hmm. And it was significant for us because it developed character for us that you have to love everybody and everybody has something to give. Mm. Right. Right. Is that where you were when you said what you said about hospitality struck yeah. me because most we haven't really talked about hospitality yeah. as a it's a part of revival part of yeah. revival yet yeah. so it's, it it's a part of revival yeah. and that that was a part of the revival that we experienced yeah. that tremendous love of God through hospitality yeah. and of course you know people align with God's will you don't see rebellion yeah. Yeah. doing revival you you see hard discussions yeah but rebellion is different right and so when the pastor did that the people said yes and he says and he said me and my wife will start out as the leaders yeah and 
Can you imagine what that feels like to be loved that well, yeah. you and your husband and a little baby, yeah. Yeah. and you're going to people's house, and they're feeding you, and they're loving you, and they're providing a place for you to rest. Right. Sabbath again. Yeah. yeah. Preparing and, you for future ministry, really. Yeah. yeah. And you guys are, I mean, you're driving in from Boulder, and it's <laughs> tough to be there, and you find this church in Denver. It's what, an hour? It's an hour And away. change away. And, yeah. And so rather than driving in and out, the church um, put you up for Sundays. Yes, and, they did. Yeah. yeah. Yes, so, they did. And, and when we first started, we were actually on a bus. So you can... I, we would go in the snow, and, and uh, of course, Boulder has a lot of snow. Colorado has a lot of snow. And I can remember telling my dad, I said, well, we put this little baby, and we need, we really need snow tires on his, on, on whatever we're taking him in that day. Yeah. And, um, and we did that. So it started out with yeah. us making the, the decision to follow God wherever God was going to be. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like the... It's almost like Israel following the pillar of fire. Like you guys, when you went to this church, you sensed the presence of God. Yes. And it was costly yes. to like take the bus yes. into Denver to be there. But you're like, this is where God is. We want to we wanna be there. Yeah. Um, it, it, That's fine. We could, yeah, we'll, just, we'll cut this part we'll out. Just edit it out. <laughs> it'll, it'll, it'll stop in a minute. I, I put it on mute, though. <laughs> Okay. Well, one thing I, um, one thing that's so cool to hear you talk about um, mm-hmm. this revival in the church is how multifaceted it was. Like, yes, I, multifaceted. Like yeah. t- Tim Keller talks about almost like this the the signs of revival. Like even looking at like Acts two, like there's anointed worship. Yes. There's there's deep fellowship. There's mm-hmm passionate evangelism people coming to faith there's there's um uh biblical teaching there's there's the pre the presence of god mm-hmm. you know um signs and wonders were yes. done by the signs apostles and yeah. um and yes. meeting in each other's homes yeah. you know yes, breaking all bread and all and 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 all these elements that that are there in, in acts you experienced in this church right, it was right, all right. of it and right. we experienced we came one day and one of the Sunday school teachers was teaching and actually fell out and she was unconscious. And I can remember we never called the ambulance, we never called the doctor. And so we had been taught to go and lay hands and begin to pray. And we began to pray. And the pastor came in and did one of the most important correctors I've ever thought, saw. And he basically said, you're too excited. You're not listening. You're not hearing from the Lord. And then he said, in the name of Jesus. And she jumped straight up and started running around the church praising God. And I thought, oh, oh, it's that simple. We, we trying to work it. Mm, yeah. And all he did was believe it. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I told my husband, I said, remember that? I said, she just jumped up and she jumped up in worship yeah it's amazing yeah and it, it's so cool that like all so i i do think you know many of these different elements different churches mm-hmm. can achieve in the flesh you know like some churches can mm-hmm. have an amazing worship team or whatever mm-hmm. but or some churches are really passionate about mm-hmm. justice or mm-hmm. what um and you can you can do that if you have a group of people that 
care deeply enough about that. But when you see all of those pieces together, you know it's the Then you know it's revival. Yeah. You know it's revival. I mean, and also (laughs) meeting people's needs. Mm -hmm. And so we were really struggling, right? Um, So I had a small stipend. Mm-hmm. And um, Boris had actually left Wichita to, once we got married to come, and so he was really we were really struggling, and they would just come and bring us clothing for Jamal. We didn't have to bring clothes, and my husband talks about that era of where we had everything we need, and it came from other people. Uh, <clears throat> so yeah, you know the pastor would reach in his pocket and give us a $50 bill. Well, we're talking about the 70s. $50 yeah. is a lot of money. Mm-hmm. You know. And I told him, I said, can you imagine going to a church where you not, you don't have to sit and you don't and you're suffering and, and folks is just sort of walk by you. You know, you the person on the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they actually have the money. Sure. I said, but when we were there, I said, they really provided in every way. So I do want to include the other thing. I don't think revival happens and you don't meet people's needs. Right. God yeah. gives you eyes to see. Yeah. And then because of that community that again acts, yeah. people's needs are provided. Yeah. And it's, it says in Acts 4, and the grace of God was so powerfully moving that there were no, no needy, needy people, people among right. them. Yeah. And that's that. That's part of the evidence of the it's, grace of God is that an overflow of God's generosity. An overflow of God's generosity. An overflow. I would be trying to get there, and I can remember one time I was trying to get there, and the car actually broke down. And this is how I often tell people: I said, "This is when you know it's real revival because you you're gonna get there no matter what." <laughs> there was, there was these young white men, and they said, "Oh, the, we were praying, and the Lord said, stop." You pick up that woman now. Now nowadays we'd be scared to death of that, yeah. right? Oh, they're gonna they're gonna do something to me. I, I, and I said I have one purpose. I said I need to get to the church to pray. And they said we will take you to the church. I, they said what you gonna do with the car? I said leave it right here. It'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> and they and I thought those were amazing years yeah. where people just heard from the Lord yeah. and they did not live in fear. Mm. Mm. Think about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Think, 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 that's you know, revival when it does happen. Yeah. We do not see the sort of meanness and the sort of intimidation and people living in fear that we have now. You don't see it. Because mm. you see, God is greater mm-hmm. than all of that. Wow. Amen. Man. That's what we need. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, I, well, I often think about that. I said, now everybody, I said, people have been like, no, don't get it, go, don't do this, don't do, you know what I'm saying? Don't yeah, do that, yeah. no. And I was like, no, the Lord spoke to you? Yes, okay, well, you take do it to it. church. Yeah. And right. this was an interesting thing. Nobody right. bothered right. the little orange baby. Right. And we were able to get it and get it fixed. Yeah. <laughs> look, look at God. Yeah. Yeah. He's providing every way yeah. because the priority becomes him. Yeah. yeah. It is Holy Ghost. Okay, in the old days it was Holy Ghost. <laughs> Holy Spirit centric. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and we live in a time of just ambient anxiety right now. That's it's right. all over the place. Can you That's imagine right. if 
God spoke to Ananias, hey, Ananias, go tell Brother Saul, you know, <laughs> receive your sight. And Ananias is like, I can't do that. Like, he's, mm. you know, he's going to get me or whatever, you know. Well, he had a little bit of that, but yeah, what, what, happened, <laughs> what happened is he, he overcame his anxiety by choosing to obey the power of, through the power of the Holy Spirit yeah. and doing what he was instructed to do. That's right. Say that again. Come on. <laughs> yeah. You need courage. Yeah. You need courage. So yeah. so any those are the things that I saw in two years. Wow. Those two years forever impacted and still impacts who we are. Yeah. Yeah. The Lord knew we would need those yeah. two years. And I keep thinking about this because you remember Adam, we were talking in the uh, last podcast mm-hmm. with uh, Reverend Len Cowan mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a similar dynamic too of a lot of the the mm-hmm. saints that I look up to that are um, that are longing in this season for revival many of them have had had tastes of it before it's like yeah. it's almost like it's, yeah. a, it's like it's like in the in the line the witch in the wardrobe they've been to Narnia you know and yes. they know yeah. that there is yeah. another world th- there's like another um yeah, they know that what what we're living in right now, the kind of state of spiritual life, um, and maybe in a moment we'll talk about your move to New England, like isn't all thing. that it, isn't all that it could be because they've actually had these experiences yeah. in the past where the church was alive. Yeah, and yeah the, the church was alive, alive in you, alive in that community. You know, um, I just. It was amazing. It was an yeah. amazing time when God did really what we would call kind of crazy things, yeah. you mm-hmm. know. I often tell people, um, I remember we were in a snowstorm, and, um, and of course, being at that church builds your faith. And so um, my husband had actually lost control of the car. Mm-hmm. And together we both just said the name of Jesus. When you say, help us, we just said, Jesus. And the car slows down, sort of hits to the, the, the rail and stops. And the Lord gives my husband a crazy thing. And he says, now you to get out of the car in a snowstorm. I said, well, either he's crazy or it's Jesus. That's, that's what I remember saying. So we get out in the snowstorm and we walk down and we stop, we, we, we stand on the side of the road, right? Believing by faith that God is sending someone. It's not our time. And this one car comes. And it was a judge. And he stops in the snowstorm. Picks us up and then says to us, where do you want to go? We said, if you can get us to Denny's. We told him. We said, if you can get us to Denny's, we'll have some friends pick us up and take us to Boulder. Again, leaving the leaving the orange Vega car. <laughs> And eventually we get it back and it's fixed. I just, it's always <laughs> amazing. That was kind of God's grace. This is, I gave you this car, okay? Right. And I've never forgotten it. And I told my husband, I said, if we had not believed God, we would have frozen to death. Yeah. It is at that wow. moment. If we had not walked down and stood, we would have missed the blessings of the Lord. Now, mm. what's the other thing that happens here? Is that you learn that you can miss blessings based on disbelief wow. during revival. You'll mm. oh. miss it. Yeah. That taught us something. And I because I kept saying, who in the world would go in a snowstorm? Look at this, this is a real snow. and then I thought Yeah. Well, it's gonna be one way or the other. It's either yeah. Jesus or death. Yeah. 
I think that's something else you began to really learn in revival. When yeah. there's a true revival, you begin you really begin to believe that Jesus is all. Yeah. He's he's your all. He's the community's all. He's the society's all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because the, the rest of it's going to be deaf. Yep. Yeah. I mean, so many lessons we learned during that period of time mm -hmm. that was yeah. taught. Mm -hmm. And I just, I told my husband, I said, that's just amazing that all of this happens in this two-year period. Yeah. 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 Wow. You know, God is able. Mm. You you have a purpose to fulfill, and um, he, he will walk you through whatever you need to walk through so mm. you can become that person mm. of purpose so that revival can occur. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And, that, and that's a great segue into talking about your time in New England. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is probably oh. a little different than oh. Colorado. Yeah. So by faith, we are going to come to New England. Mm -hmm. So guess what? I get this offer to this place called Brown University. <coughs> I don't even know if my colleagues know this. Some of them are still living. Anyway, <laughs> I get this offer to come to Brown University, okay? And, um, this is kind of amazing because I don't know what Brown University is. You know, hmm. I, I'm on University of Michigan, you know, University of Kansas. Y'all know what yeah. I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. And yeah. so I get this this place. And so everybody at the university is excited. You got hired at Brown University. And they would ask me, you know, I said, well, just job with me. I, I really didn't know, you know, it was Ivy League. Okay. I, yeah. I didn't know that. So, so anyway, my husband actually quits his job. The Lord had finally given him a job at Ball Aerospace, and he quits his job. He hears the Lord say, you're going to take an Abraham journey, and you're going to go to New England. Hmm. And we do come to New England. And my husband swears I cried for six months. Mm. We call it lamenting. Yeah. Because when I arrived here, I understood nothing, both in terms of what it meant to be in an Ivy League culture yeah. And I really didn't understand the church. Yeah. Now, you talking about you getting ready to be built, right? It's a different fire. Mm -hmm. You know, Moses has the fiery, mm -hmm. he has that fiery bush, right? Yeah. It was a different fire. And I came here, and I cried and lamented and cried about the brokenness of the church here that, in my opinion, denied that Jesus was Lord. Mm -hmm. Now, they were talking about a whole lot of other kinds of gods, right? Mm -hmm. But Jesus was not Lord. And so we, we did eventually join a church, and it was just horrific to be here. Mm -hmm. It was horrific to move from two years where you were seeing powerful worship yeah, and yeah. prayers being answered and yeah. folk getting saved, and you come here, and it's totally desolate. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, what happens is not only do you lament, but you really ask God why you're here. Hmm. Yeah. And what... What did God tell yeah. you? <laughs> what did God tell me? Why are you here? <laughs> what did God tell me? I think, you know, and I speak as a we because Boris and I sure. made decisions together. Mm. I think that God simply told us that we had a purpose to be here. Part of that was that people who wanted to know him would come to know him, particularly university students. Mm -hmm. And that he would reveal his plan totally over the years we were here. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So we got to wait. Yeah, you got to wait. Yeah. We got to wait. Yeah. Yeah. And it takes faith to wait. Yeah. yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. But along the way, we would get these little tidbits, right? Yeah. So there was old church mother. And in Providence, Rhode Island, and she would talk to me, and she, said, she would say, Alice, revival is coming. Oh. Don't miss it. And she would say there were seasons, there are seasons around revival. Yeah. She said, if you're not ready, if you're not prepared, you're going to miss it. So there would be these little tip. You see yeah. what I meant yeah, by yeah. tidbit. Yeah. There would be people who would be speaking into us, yeah, yeah. saying, "Get yourself ready," yeah. and 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 really preparing us. Yeah. And a part of that preparation was coming here was full of suffering for us. Mm-hmm. Um, we always suspected we would be back west, where we'd be close to our families. Yeah. Now we were in the east, and people from the Midwest, not all of them. But let me say, in my family, they didn't think it was anybody in the East saved anyway. (laughs) Uh, They were very confused why we would want to come to a place and that we would say God would send us to a place that looked like people weren't saved. They didn't have any understanding of what it meant to be missional or uh, what it meant to, you know, be an evangelist. They would use that word. We talk about missional. They would talk about. Yeah. But what they did understand is that God has sent us, yeah. and they believed that God had sent us, but it was just it didn't make any sense right. to them. Right. And so, you know, part of what I've often told people here is that I began to understand suffering in a different way. I understood under, suffering as an African-American. I knew what it meant to be called the N-word. Mm-hmm. I knew what it meant that... Um, people either wanted to associate with you or didn't want to associate with you but coming to New England was about Christ mm. it was no longer about you suffering because of what you look like yeah. or your gender Yeah, it was about Christ and so we came here and we learned stuff that I just never thought I would see on any <laughs> university we <laughs> We saw it in graduate school, but it became worse here. We began to see stuff like witchcraft, worship of other gods, Mm -hmm. be they Hindu gods and all this stuff. And, you know, we saw all kinds of stuff. And I didn't have any answer for any Mm -hmm. of that. And uh, here I was separated from my family. And I actually think that happens as we look at the missionary journeys Mm -hmm. in the New Testament. People go to all kinds of places and sometimes they take people with them but it's not comfortable right and so new england was not comfortable right. and we came here and so i finally stopped crying <laughs> how about that six <laughs> months in you stopped crying <laughs> stop crying but but then another then, 24 years you've been you've been waiting or I've been waiting <laughs> and getting yeah. these little tidbits along and getting the way. little tidbits along the way yeah. and also being prepared yeah so I went through several seasons, and that's the issue about me being 65. I can talk about those seasons. Yeah. So I went through one season where I just wanted to, let's, let's just give it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's just go to church and sit, and let's try to be as comfortable as we can be. Oh, okay. I remember that season. Oh, yeah. Oh, let's just, let's just yeah. sit. We don't have to preach the gospel, you know. Yeah. And basically what happened is I had a friend who sort of, Pointed, pointed her finger in my face and said, you ain't nothing but a preacher. I was so convicted because <laughs> mm-hmm. I really believe in the concept of hell. Now, I know this is a podcast, but I'm going to say it anyway. Sorry. I really believe that you could totally be separated from God. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That I went and repented. Mm-hmm. 
Repentant, repentance is essential mm. to the coming of revival. Mm -hmm. Ain't going to yeah. be none unless people repent and get yeah. rid of their pride. And so I went through that season, and I remember becoming very bold, you know, mm -hmm. and, of, of course, telling people about Christ and all of these different professors and et cetera. And then I went through this. So that's a really fiery season, yeah. okay? But you're pretty pissed off. Mm -hmm. You're really angry yeah. because you're like, well, why am I going through this suffering? And these people don't want to hear about Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. you know? And of course, what happened is God placed me in a university where eventually many of those students not only received Christ, but um, you know they're they're still very active and committed mm. to their relationship with Christ and the church community. Mm -hmm. um, eventually, what happened? I think the breaking point for me was I did not receive tenure. And I thought I was going to get tenure. This was at Brown? This No, this was at Wellesley. At Wellesley. Uh -huh. I was at Wellesley. And I just assumed I was going to get tenure. And yeah. a year later, you know, I get a note saying I did not get tenure. It was a breaking point for me. And I kept crying out to God, what is it that you want? What is yeah. it? And see, that's a different season. Mm -hmm. Because now you've been broken enough to really want to do what Jesus wants you to do. Wow. And yeah. I kept saying, what do you want? And so I think for about a year... I just laid in the floor and I kept saying, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? And what happened in Providence is I learned to really pray mm -hmm. in a different way than in graduate school because I began to be become an intercessor mm. at Brown. Mm -hmm. At Wellesley now, I'm learning to align my will totally with God. Yeah. And, you know, and eventually the Lord speaks a friend of mine, John Ratajczyk, you know, comes and talks to me, are you sure that God doesn't want you within a varsity? He, he knew that I had been crying out to God about the salvation of students, yeah. that I was very concerned that they were messed up, they would do anything, <laughs> say anything, didn't respect nobody, and then they could still walk in the class and get an A. <laughs> <laughs> they fail in God, but they're going to get an A. <laughs> Okay, so yeah. anyway. Yeah, now that you put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, John had been seeing me for a couple of years, and he asked me, well, are you sure the guy's not calling you the university? I laughed like Sarah. I said, no way in the world. I don't want to got a PhD. My brokenness, you know, my, my, my brokenness is around power and justice. Mm -hmm. And why don't look like a place yeah. it does any of that. Money, power, nor justice. None of it. Mm -hmm. And so what happened is uh, I made an agreement, really, with the Lord and with John. And I said to John, everybody who's in the leadership of university must agree that they will pray for me regularly, every one of them, or I will not come. Mm. And guess what? They all did. Mm. The day that the Lord <clears throat> spoke to me and said, it is now time to come to university, was the day John Collins said, I even got the person on sabbatical, and they said they would pray for you. Mm -hmm. He called me that day, mm -hmm. and I knew that God was going to shift me because mm -hmm. the Lord reminded me, your heart is that people will receive the Lord. Mm -hmm. He said, you've done everything you can as a professor, and you've taught them, but their hearts are not shifting toward me. Mm -hmm. you got to do it differently. All right, thanks for joining us on this episode. That's all we have time for 
uh, for today, but join us on the, the next episode where we finish our conversation with Dr. ABC. See you guys there. Bye.